One time I hooked up with this guy, and mid-hookup, I was really drunk. He took a dildo out of the bedside table Mm -hmm. and, like, started to try and insert it. Oh, God. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not really feeling that tonight. (laughs) Thank you. I just ate. Did you tell him that? No, I, but I just—I didn't say. It. Just, I just said like, I was like, I'm not really into this this evening, yeah. or whatever. And then, but no, here's the thing, Kathy. Okay. So when I said that, he like took his hand away, and then he whispered in my ear, "I'll just leave it here in case you change your mind." <laughs> From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy with your hosts Tobin Lowe and Kathy Too. Tobin. Kathy. When you were telling me that very, very specific dildo story, Mm -hmm. it got me thinking. Oh, no. I am nervous. Where are you going with this? So there's a thing that we're sort of bombarded with growing up, and that is that sex is when a penis goes into a vagina. Yeah, familiar. (laughs) But as you and I both know, and a lot of people know, that's not necessarily how queer people have sex. And that means a lot of times we have to figure out for ourselves what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree. And so for queer people, sex toys can be a huge part of that journey. They can be like a literal tool to help you learn something about your body and your identity, Mm -hmm. which is what I want to talk about today. Okay, I'm on board now. I'm into this. So we're going to tell a few stories about sex toys. And then maybe if you behave yourself, Mm -hmm. I'll take you on a little field trip. Sounds great. Let's kick things off by introducing you to CJ. Picture this, okay, 20-year-old black girl trying to figure it out at university. <laughs> Theme song, SZA plays in the background. And back in college, CJ wanted to show off her, let's say, sexual prowess. I was kind of like a baby queer. At the time? At the time, mm. yeah. I think that, like, uh, my current partner, when we met, like, that was, like, the first, like, still has been, like, the first woman I've dated long-term. Mm-hmm. I grew up super Christian, so I had, like, a lot, a lot, a lot of hang-ups, like, around, like, sex and sexual activity and stuff. And so, like, I think, like, when we met, like, I was still kind of, like, learning, like, my body and, like, myself sexually and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, like, there's no, like, queer people know this, like, there's no manual for, like, our relationships. Ugh. You know what I mean? If only. So I think I was watching a lot of, like, queer YouTube. I was watching, do you know who Arielle, like, Scarcella is? Something no. like, I think that's her name. And she has, like, a queer sex channel. Why strap-ons? Why not an actual penis? I guess it's what you think about a strap to be. And if they want the penetration, but they don't want the guide, then a strap-on is the perfect thing. And they get to pick, you know, the size, the girth, the texture, and then at the end of the day, they get to put it in a drawer. Like, a lot of it was about, like, sex toys and strap-ons and, like, how to like, clean strap-ons, like, all this stuff. Mm. So I was just like, oh, like, every, like, queer woman, like, owns a strap-on. So CJ obviously went to a sex store to buy a strap-on. And do you know how much a quality strap-on costs, Tobin? I have no idea, so I'm going to do the prices Right move and say a dollar. <laughs> Combined, these things are like 150 bucks, like 100 bucks. I know. Wait, hold on, hold on. When you saw like a strap on for the first time in front of you, what did you think? I was like, I need a tutor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was like, who like who trains in this kind of activity? Like, <laughs> because I like one, I didn't understand how the harness went on. I'm gonna be real. And then I also was just like, like the penises were like really aggressive. <laughs> 
And then, like, the more I asked questions, the more I was like, wow, like, sex is complicated. <laughs> I left stressed out. I left more stressed out than I went in, for sure. So CJ leaves the shop without buying a strap-on because $150 is way out of her budget. And, of course, she hops onto Amazon. I see this, like, strap-on. It's, like, $19.99. It's on sale. <laughs> Great. And I'm like, that's in my price range. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So I order it, right? And, like, it comes to my door. So I tried it on. Basically, like, this thing is, like, so cheap that, like, the strap-on is, like, adhered to the harness. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't even take the dildo off the harness. It's one set <laughs> piece of equipment. <laughs> What's the shape of it? It was, like, slightly curved. There were, like, veins. So it was, like, supposed to look real, I guess. Okay. Then there was just, like, a black strap that was, like, adhered to it. Wait, wait. So, like, even after you went to the sex shop, you were still, like, strap-on is the thing that I need. Yeah, I was still convinced. I just knew that, like, the quality would be low. Yeah. And, like, that's all right. <laughs> because my sex game was going to be high. <laughs> that's what I decided. Wow, such so, confidence. I know. So CJ knew that her sex game was going to be high because she was going to do research. I Googled basically, like, how to use a strap-on. There was a site that had, like, 20 tips. Yeah, give us some of these tips. So, like, step number one was, like, wear the strap-on around the house when you're doing, like, daily activities. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> I haven't either, but you know what? I took that advice. So I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. Like, I got to do dishes. Okay. <laughs> like, folded some laundry with it. Like, like you know, like, put sheets on my bed. with. I was like, you know, like, let me have, like, a symbiotic relationship <laughs> with this strap-on. Oh and I'm, God. like, practicing hip swivels, watching way too much porn to prepare for this, which is awful. Like, don't ever watch porn to prepare for sex. Mm. It's never accurate. Unless, like, it's, like, some, like, queer feminist, like, website you're paying for. Like, it's not going to be, like, real. Here's the thing. CJ planned this strap-on to be a surprise for her girlfriend. Like, her girlfriend had no idea this was coming. Oh, no. Yeah. So the big night comes. So I put it on. I decide to be, like, naked. I decide that that's the best way for this to, like, go down. Wait, so you were, like, in your dorm room, naked with the strap-on on, and your girlfriend is coming over. Is that the scene? Exactly. And CJ's girlfriend walks into the room. We make eye contact. And she, like, looks at me, and she, like, pans her eyes, like, pan down to the strap-on. And then she looks, like, back at me, and she, like, smiles. And she was like, okay, like, I, <laughs> like, I see what's going on here, but, like, why? Like, why is it white? CJ, a queer black woman, got herself a realistic-looking white dildo. Flesh-colored white. I went for a realistic white penis. And, like, I just thought it was so interesting that, like, as a black woman, like, I was just so, like, decided that I needed a strap-on. Like, like I didn't think about, like, color match, you know? Like, <laughs> Kathy, I don't know what I was doing. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, that is very funny. So what happened next? So, of course, CJ and her girlfriend had a long, long conversation about what happened. It took a few hours. They went over CJ's entire thought process and how they're going to do this next time in case another sex toy pops up in their lives. I love this. They, like, turned it into a productive learning relationship moment. They did. And, like, here's the thing. We really need to communicate when it comes to sex toys. I know it sounds trite because, honestly, we need to communicate better about everything. But when it comes to sex toys, things shouldn't come as a surprise. Like, you know, unless you've talked about it ahead of time. Yes. Push through the awkwardness, people. No surprise dildos. Um, so what ever happened to this strap-on? 
It still exists. Like we have, it's like a monument. It's like a monument. <laughs> it's like an icon in our relationship, but like it's like never like really touched. <laughs> Coming up after the break. Haha, <laughs> all right, cool. Like, I'm gonna put this bean pot on my butt and it's gonna be magic. Great, cool. Good luck. Nancy will be back in a minute. And we're back. Kathy, where are we going next on this sex toy journey? Well, I asked if anyone on Twitter had sex toy stories for me. And one of the first to enthusiastically respond was a guy named Gabe Gonzalez. I'm a comedian and writer living in Brooklyn, New York. And Gabe wanted to tell me about a specific toy that changed his sex life. My sexual journey has been a wild foray into things unknown and also very, like, vanilla things. To me, the penetrative role, right, the role of the penetrator seemed like a given. I was like, I'm a dude, I have a penis, a penis goes in things. That is supposedly our biological imperative. Um, Even in Spanish, you don't say tops and bottoms, you say activo and pasivo, which roughly translates to, like, active and passive, right? The dominant and the submissive partner. Um, But to me, masculinity was more closely tied to topping. I mean, we have this phrase now that people kind of jokingly use, but I think there's a kernel of truth to it, bottom shaming, right? That if you're bottom, you're naturally more feminine, you're more campy, you're louder, you have less masculine features that make you less virile and desirable. So I desperately wanted to be the hot, unattainable leading man who was the closest to trade you could get without nabbing a straight guy in college. You know what I mean? Um, And I think playing that part meant playing the part of, like, the strict top, if you will. You know, I hopped into a few relationships throughout college, um... You know, and a couple of them actually ended because I was very inflexible in my sexual preferences and they were very inflexible in theirs. But uh, about, like, my junior year, I want to say, the beginning of my junior year, I met an older student, um, and he and I totally hit it off. I had, like, met him at a party two years prior, and I had, like, a huge crush on him. He was like, I'm a top. And I was like, all right, well, me too, so how are we going to negotiate this? Because I'm really into you. And he didn't want to budge. And I was like, all right, I really like you. Let's figure this out. And so to sort of help ease me into it, he introduced a prostate stimulator. And it's so funny, it looks like a little bean pod with like a like a curly ear hair sticking out of it, which I guess the that <laughs> I guess that little curly cue is so it doesn't just suck straight up your butt. There's like a little way for it to get caught on the way up. Um, and so he was really excited. He was like, look, I want you to bottom more and I don't want to be pushy about it. So let's get this thing. And I was like, ha ha, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to put this bean pot up my butt and it's going to be magic. Great, cool, good luck. And so the bean pot arrives. Uh, <laughs> and that night we didn't have penetrative sex at all. It was just like fucking around with the bean pot. Um, and he really set the scene, like turned on some candles, rolled us a joint ahead of time. We had a glass of wine, like watched a movie. Um, so he he really, like, he put the effort into it. It's I, I was wined and dined. Um, and we had talked about it beforehand, too. So, like, he knew I was comfortable with it. It wasn't a surprise. Um, and it was weird at first. Like, it takes two to sort of figure it out. So, like, I was, like, clenching and really tense. And he was like, relax. And I'm like, you telling me to relax doesn't make me relax. It just makes me think about uh, the size of my butthole and what, how I should be standing for this. And so it was, it's awkward on the way in, um, for sure. 
But I think what was really nice about it is that it wasn't an experience that was, like, focused on another person penetrating me or, like, getting fucked. It was like, let's explore an aspect of your body that perhaps you haven't explored in this context. And it was hilarious and very warm and kind of um, friendly. Like, it, I feel like any time I had been asked to sort of bottom, it was with this expectation, right? It's like, you haven't yet, or you have to, or I'm taller or older, like... There's no other way this could go. Um, And this felt sort of like a fun suggestion. So I took the toy that night. He bought it for me, and he was like, I can keep it here for whenever you come over. And I was like, no, ma'am. I'm going to rinse this off. I'm putting it in a little plastic bag. It's going in my backpack, and I am taking it to my dorm room. Suddenly, like, I managed to divorce anal pleasure from the politics of another person being there. It was on my time, on my own terms, And then I found myself suggesting to partners that I bought them more often. I think being able to do it on my own and without the pressure of another partner, without the pressure of thinking about what that role was, just like masturbating in my dorm room while my roommate was gone for the weekend (laughs) was some of the most crucial self-discovery I think I've ever made as a sexual person. Sometimes I'll go on, like, a month where I just bottom and I like it. I'll, like, binge bottom, and then I'll come back to top eight. But it's kind of up in the air now. I think it really depends on the person and the chemistry and and what I want and what they want in any given moment. Tobin, I love Gabe. I love him. I don't think I knew what a prostate stimulator was until I heard that story. Like, where did you find out about sex toys? Uh, like CJ and Gabe, I enjoy an online shopping experience, I have to say, because <laughs> I want to see those user reviews. Okay. You know, okay. like minimum three and a half stars, you know? Okay, so from the moment I started thinking about sex toys and doing my research, I kind of had this curiosity about the people who make them. You know, like the people who create new toys that sell them and market them. And while I was in L.A. recently... I found out about this giant sex toy trade show. It's kind of sacred. If you're not an industry person, you can't really get in. It's called the Adult Novelty Manufacturers Expo, or the Amni Show. Well, so what was it like? Imagine, like, a giant consumer electronics expo. It took up an entire space at the Marriott Hotel, plus, like, an additional tent space. And I think it's fair to say that the biggest makers of sex toys were there. What are, you, what are you exhibiting at this convention? So what we're known for is a line called King Cock, which is realistic products. And we came out with two new items for King Cocks. And the one I really like is this one. It's uncut and the foreskin moves. There were sex toys hanging off the wall. I mean, we have uh, lubes and uh, lubricants and lotions. We have electro-stim. People talking about new product lines. So for uh, winter and me this year, uh, our new products are uh, organic toy cleaners, Liquid Shine. Really nice sales reps. We have anal products. We have some fetish products with like a dildo that has like a faux pee. We have masturbators, douches. We have wands. We have fuck machines. Things I really appreciated. We expanded uh, pretty much everything in our entire collection into travel-sized two-ounce bottles. Things I discovered I was very uncomfortable with. It's my pleasure to serve you. (laughs) What's your name? I'm whoever you want me to be. 
but like not much queer stuff. Do you guys have any stuff that's like specifically for the queer community? You know what? We don't like to really label. Um, the only thing that I can think of that we specifically have is we've got a pride tuggy oh. that is rainbow. I mean, there was one guy who had a product that at least pictured a gay couple. And over to the left, we've got a, a man bound. This is really targeted toward the guys uh-huh. uh, that want to play with guys. Obviously, the packaging is more, it's got men on it, it's got men with men, so it's really targeted toward gay couples, gay men couples. But I asked him about, you know, marketing towards women, and he sort of went on about strap-ons. You know, we have a lot of strap-ons. Here's where I'm going with this. And then about Um, pegging. Pegging has gotten huge. And then some stuff about inclusivity. Uh, Inclusivity, rather than ratchet it down, we really sort of opened up the... The market. I think he was trying to say that they wanted the packaging to be welcoming to straight and queer women. But it was sort of the opposite of what he was trying to say about manbound, so it was all very confusing. I mean, did you see anything that felt like it was really made for queer folks or like marketed to queer folks? Generally, no. There was almost nothing there that was specifically queer. And there was nothing like the stuff I might see when I'm at the boutique sex toy stores I usually go to. The vibe was almost exclusively heteronormative and cisgender. Well, they all are, number one, because first of all, they're all produced by cisgender mostly. So that is the market that they think exists out there. This is Buck Angel, and he was at the Amni show with a company called Perfect Fit. I think they have one of the few specifically queer sex toys I saw at Amni. Buck developed a masturbator for trans men that was originally turned away by a bunch of other manufacturers. They don't really have a clue about our bodies because there isn't a lot of representation of our bodies naked or sexually. So people aren't producing products for pleasure, for personal use, because they don't see that market. So that's why, to me, those are cisgender toys made for cisgender people. And because sex toys are mostly made for cisgendered people, Buck had to make toys work for him. As I started to transition, and my vagina transitioned in a sense with me, it started to change, and I I really was wanting to connect with it, but I couldn't. It was like, it is female to me. It's, it's a hard thing to explain to people who don't live in this type of situation. Most people are connected in some sense to their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found sex toys, and sex toys really uh, helped me. I started to cut them up and to create them for my own body. That's what a lot of trans men made amazing things out of water bottles and suction cups and all kinds, because we didn't have our own toys. We had to buy cisgender toys. Wait, what were you What were you cutting up? Like I took um, a male stroker, which is like, you know, a, a cisgender male penis stroker. Uh-huh. And then I would cut off one of the ends of it to make it shorter because it would suck on me better. Uh-huh. So I would just manipulate it a little bit. Or dildos. There was one dildo that was made, I think, that was like a squirting dildo. So it had a hole in it. And I would pull off the back of it. Mm-hmm. It was a suction cup. It had a suction cup. I would pull off the suction cup and there would be a hole in it. So I would use that because then I could, you know, stick myself inside of it and then sort of masturbate like a man. Yeah, and yeah, it would yeah. be moving onto my onto my genitals. People take for granted a lot of things sexually. You know, when you're just born in the body you love and born in the body that's not bothering you, mm-hmm. you don't realize that not everybody feels that way. Not everybody has the opportunity to have these experiences. Was there a moment when you kind of figured out that that's how the world was? Or? Um You know, I think when I was a dyke and I was pretty hardcore dyke, I got jealous. I for sure had penis envy. I for sure wanted to have sex like a man and a woman. 
And now I feel totally okay, but before I felt ripped off that I don't get to have the same experiences. What did you do about it? Well, masturbate, but let me tell you, I eventually got partners because I was not comfortable with partners for a while during my transition. Just because you're getting a new body, not only are you getting a new body, you're getting new smells. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I'm most of the time I was with women who, who mostly, I guess I would say, identify as lesbian. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, are they getting a weird ad out by my man smell? You know, that those are things that we don't really think about, but, or my hair. Lots of hair all over me. But my first experience with an amazing woman who said, relax. (laughs) Relax. And I did. And I had the most amazing sexual experience. And that person went down on me and did all these amazing things and made me feel very masculine sexually. And that was the beginning, a lot of me, you know, embracing my body as a man. Kathy, I have to say, I loved how much we got to hear about people learning about their bodies today. I know, right? I just loved it a lot. Queer people learning how to communicate, how mm-hmm. to accept their bodies, mm-hmm. how to bottom. How to bottom. That's a big one. That That is. I will also say that I learned a lot today. So thank you very much for contributing to my personal growth. Oh, you're welcome. What are friends for? <laughs> yes. But before we end, I said I'd take you on a little field trip. <gasps> Getting out of the studio. Tobin, do you know where we're going? Oh, here. The pleasure chest. The pleasure chest. Coffee and kegels, May 6th. Candles, lingerie, some masks. What are you? Oh, this is the novelty section. (laughs) Here's a question I have is like rabbit vibrators, I don't understand. Cause like I don't. So see this how one, for example, is like very much a dick. Like yeah. you see this, and you're like, this is a dick. Right. That that doesn't appeal to everyone. Maybe you just want a different aesthetic. This one, adorable. It has little ears, a little Tobin, face. Do you know what the ears are for? Cause it's a rabbit. It's supposed to tickle. Clitoris. Oh, I see. I thought you had a problem with like the concept oh, of no, using no, no. a bunny. No, a bunny's fine. No. Okay, should we just do credits while we're here? Let's do. Let's do some credits. All right. Producer. Matt Collette. Sound designer. Jeremy Bloom. Editor. Jenny Lawton. Executive producer. Paula Schumann. I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Two. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. Literally this whole time, I just thought it's because bunnies are adorable. I'll be right here waiting for you. (laughs) Isn't that amazing?